0: Matthew chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 5. Let's pray together as we get started. Father, we thank you that your love is strong. Uh, Father, we thank you that when we need you, that we can call upon you. Uh, Father, that you can you can come, and you come and you help. Uh, Father, we thank you that uh, you love us, and as we think about Valentine's Day and our love for one another we we see that it is a very imperfect love but father your love that you have for us is perfect and we see that love all throughout scripture and we can be reminded this morning of that simple verse for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life father we thank you for your love today that you have for us and your love that you have for us for all of eternity as believers in christ help us today to understand your word help us to live your word and help us father to love you we pray in christ's name amen amen when you think about your physical health as you start a new year what is kind of one of your uh, top physical health goals Uh, Or maybe concerns. Maybe you're saying, you know, I I need to lose some weight in uh, 2021 or lower my blood pressure, lower my cholesterol. Uh, You know, maybe you've got a goal to working out saying I want to lift a certain amount of weights or I want to run a certain amount of miles or or walk a certain amount of miles. What's kind of that physical health concern you're carrying into 2021? You know, as Americans, we spend a lot of time focused on our physical health. You know, 5.1 million Americans have a gym membership. Um, Americans, on average, spend close to uh, $200 a month on health and fitness, whether it be your gym membership, your supplements, your vitamins, your shakes, your personal trainers. Uh, we spend a lot of focus and energy and time on our, our physical health, and, and that's okay. Uh, the Bible says you know, we, we need to take care of our bodies, and that's, and that's fine. You see a lot of things in the Bible about sports and, and physical health, but let me just ask you this. Do you pay just as much attention to your spiritual health as you do to your physical health? You know, the attention you give to your physical body Is it just as much attention you're giving to your spiritual health this morning? We're starting a new series that's going to take us through the month of February and a little bit into March called "Healthy Habits." Now, don't worry, we're not going to talk about physically working out. All right, we're not going to talk about a diet plan for you. Uh, You can get all that other stuff, you know, in another place. What we want to talk about is our spirit. Our, our spiritual lives as believers in Jesus Christ, because all of us as followers of Christ, we, we should always want to grow healthier as followers of Jesus. Paul says it in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28 uh, that we should be, want to be made a holy, perfect, complete, mature, knowing that one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And so, as believers in Christ, that desire to always want to grow healthier in a spiritual way should be within us. So, we're going to talk over the next several weeks about healthy habits that we can get into uh, in our spiritual walk with Jesus. So this morning we're going to talk about the habit of prayer. And we pick up in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 5, and we're right in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which runs from chapters 5 through 7. And and really those three chapters, when you read them, uh, they're talking about the heart. And Jesus is really centering in on our heart And our motivation. And then he begins to talk about prayer in chapter 6, picking up in verse 5. He says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they receive their reward. Now notice verse 6. When you pray... Go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Now Jesus, at the beginning of that section, has given us kind of a wrong motivation of why to pray. And notice three times he says that phrase in verse 5, 6, and 7 when you pray. See, prayer, that's assumed activity of the Christian life. Prayer is something that the Christian ought to do regularly. It should be a habit, but we want to pray in a healthy way. And so Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites. You know, prayer for uh, the Jewish person was was an activity uh, that was very regular. They had a call to prayer. Three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And oftentimes, you, when the call of prayer came, you stopped doing what you were doing. Uh, some people would stand there and pray quietly to themselves, and some would pray out loud. And, and so Jesus is talking about the hypocrites in that sense that are only praying in order to get attention from someone else. He's saying, don't, don't pray that way. You know, that word hypocrite there, it comes from the Greek theater. And it's given us the idea that in the Greek theater long ago, one actor would often play various roles. And the way they played those roles and signified a role change was they would hold up a new mask. And they would hold up a mask, and you would, as the audience, say, okay, he's this character. They would drop that mask and pick up a new mask and deliver new lines. And that was showing you as an audience they've switched roles. And so Jesus is saying, "Don't, don't be that way this morning. What's that struggle of hypocrisy in your life? See, have you found it easy, like I, me, that it's easy to see hypocrisy in someone else? But about hypocrisy in you? About hypocrisy maybe in your prayers? You know, maybe today that all of us need to just ask God to do a, a spiritual MRI on our hearts and our minds and the motivation of our prayers. Because I want you to notice that the hypocrites in verse 5, they're, they're doing a right action, they're praying, but it's for wrong reasons. It's for the reason of just getting attention from others. And Jesus says, if you want that attention, you'll receive that. But notice verse 7, he says also there, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard uh, for many of their words. Now, instead of Gentiles, your translation may say pagans. And so Jesus is saying, listen, don't pray like the pagans uh, that just, you know, go over empty phrases, and it's routine, and it's rote, and there's no relationship there. It's mindless, meaningless, and mechanical praying. And so when we look at that, we don't want to pray just mindless, meaningless prayers that we're just going through the motions. We don't want to pray just to maybe get attention from others. Because Jesus says if if you want that attention, you'll get it. But notice how he says to pray, verse 6. We get into a, a right motivation of praying. He says, no, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who's in secret will reward you. And so Jesus says that there's times where we privately ought to pray. He says you just go into your room by yourself and and pray. Now, what about public prayer? Uh, Pastor Matt prayed publicly a little while ago. I prayed publicly. When you go into life group, your life group leader may pray or someone may pray before your time into the Word or at the end to conclude a class, you take prayer requests. Uh, You may be out to lunch later and you pray with your friends and your family there at the dinner table in the restaurant. Is that wrong? Are public prayers wrong? Because Jesus just said to pray in private, so are we to pray in public also? Well, yeah, there is plenty of public prayers all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. So Jesus would not be condemning public prayer because listen, Jesus prayed publicly all the time. Listen to Matthew chapter fourteen, verse nineteen, right before he feeds the five thousand, says then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took five loaves and two fish and he looked up to the heaven and said a blessing, he said a prayer and he broke the loaves and gave them to the crowds. Matthew 15 verse 36, right before he feeds several thousand again, he took seven loaves and the fish and having given thanks, he prayed, he broke them and gave them to the crowds. How about Luke chapter 23 verse 34, as they are nailing Jesus to the cross after he has been arrested Betrayed, spit upon, mocked. It's there, getting him right there on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, in front of the crowd that was surrounding them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so Jesus is not saying you can't ever pray publicly. He's saying pray for privately, but what is he after? He's after the motivation. Why are you praying for what you're praying for? Because he says in verse 8, don't be like them. Don't don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the the Gentiles, the pagans. Verse 8, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Why pray if God already knows? You ever thought about that? (laughs) Why in the world do it? I mean, if he already knows what we need, why ask him? Why well, why spend time praying if he already knows what you need, he's already worked out the answer, and he's already put things in place to answer what you're going to answer. Why in the world take your precious, valuable time and stop and pray about something God already knows what you're going to say? Have you thought of that before? See, that type of question is really getting to the motivation of why you're praying. And if you think about building a healthy habit of prayer, we need to understand why we ought to pray, even to a God who already knows what we're about to say. See, we pray for what we're going to ask for because prayer is more than getting something from God, it's relating to God. I love what Henry Blackaby, there in our Seven Realities of Experiencing God book, says about prayer. He says prayer isn't designed for us to inform God of our needs. He already knows them. Why then should we pray? Prayer enables us to experience God more intimately. He says it this way. The more a child experiences the loving provision of a parent, the more convinced he or she becomes of a parent's unrelenting love, Often a parent anticipates a child's need before the child recognizes it and prepares in advance to provide for that need. Likewise, our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we'll face today and next week. But He's eager for us to experience Him as He provides for us. So the greatest gift of prayer is not God answering what you need. The greatest gift of prayer is God giving you Himself, is God saying you have a relationship with me right now in prayer. So when you think of building that healthy habit of prayer, we want to understand the motivation of why we are praying. And that takes us right into verses 9 through 13, what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to cover all the verses. I'm going to really just center in on two here. But if you wanted to outline the the prayer, you can think about it this way. Verses 9 through 10 would be your praise section. Verses 11 through 13 would be your petitions, what you're asking for. And so this model type of prayer that you want to get into as a rhythm in praying is learning to praise God before you ever petition God. Spend time praising him. And he says in verse 9, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus was sitting there on that mountainside and he had those crowds around him and he got to this section of the sermon and he said those words, pray like this, our father, there would have been an audible gasp in the crowd. The Jews at that point would have had their jaws open catching flies. Some of them would have started tweeting out and putting on Facebook, you will not believe what this guy just said. He just called God Father. Now, I know you and I probably grew up praying that, our Father. But in this time when Jesus said that, the Jews had such a belief that God was so holy, you didn't say his name, you didn't even write the letters of his name, that God's name they referred to as really just name. And so here's Jesus telling this crowd of Jews, telling this crowd of Gentiles, kept telling these common everyday people, call him Father. When you think of God as your Father, what does that do in your heart? What does that do in your mind, in your soul? Because there's a lot of people that have trouble relating to God as a father because they had a very bad Earthly dad. And some of you may have had a very bad earthly father who abused you physically, emotionally, who at times maybe cursed you, who told you you would never amount to anything in your life. You may have had a father who left you, who abandoned you, who walked out on you, who said you were a mistake, who said, I don't want anything to do with you. But the good news of the gospel is this. That God designed us to be always with Him. But sin separated us from God. And because of your sin and my sin, there's a separation from God in a personal relationship. And we earn death and hell because of what we have done against a holy God. But the good news is this God that you can call father said, I don't want to be away from you. And I'm going to make a way for you to be with me. And I'm going to send my only son, Jesus, into this world to die on a cross to take your sin, to be put in a tomb. And three days later, be rose from the grave so that now through Christ, you have a relationship with me. Our relationship is forever restored back to the way I intended it. And you can call me father. Because now you're my son. Now you're my daughter. And what you're going to find in this God is not a God who is going to abuse you. He's not a God that's going to cuss you. He's not a God who's going to abandon you. He's not a God who's going to walk out on you. But he's a God who says, you come to me anytime. I'm here for you. I love you. This morning, how do you become one of God's kids? Is John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who did receive him. And believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He says, you call him Father. And then you ask for his name to be hallowed and his kingdom to come. Right here, you get to the real motivation of why you ought to pray. If you think about your physical health again, like we mentioned, why did some of you at the beginning of 2021 go, I need to lose weight? I need to get on a diet. I need to start walking a little more right after we get this really weird winter. Isn't it fun that we got all the winter in a weekend, right? I mean, next Sunday is going to be 72. And this Sunday, we're just, you know, bundling up for our lives. I mean, this, the winter this weekend has been fun, isn't it? But you might say, all right, you know, once winter passes this weekend, I, I need to get back to walking and I need to get back in shape. Why? Why are you doing those things? See, you've got a goal in mind. You've got a reason in mind. All right, I I need to do these things to lower my blood pressure. You know, the doctors told me to lose some weight. I need to get back in physical health. So when you set a physical goal, sometimes you've got a, a, a goal in your mind. But think about your prayers. Why are you asking for the cancer to be healed? Why are you asking for the job? Why are you asking for the relationship to turn around? This morning, if you've already prayed, why did you ask for what you asked for? Now, it's not wrong to ask for any of those things. But why? Why was the motivation for asking that? Did you notice what Jesus said of why we should pray? For God's name to be hallowed. The word hallowed means to be worshipped, to be revered, uh, to make holy, to keep holy. All right, so I want to pray, God heal me of the cancer... So that your name is hallowed in my life. So God, that other people who are praying for that cancer to be healed, they're going to worship you. They're going to hallow you. God, I'm praying for that job so that I can hallow you in my life. Lord, I'm praying for this so that your name would be hallowed. See, we need to look at the reason we're praying for everything we're praying for and ask, am I just praying this for me Or am I praying it for God's name to be hallowed? Am I praying for his name to be worshipped? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about in the life of a Christian. A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, prayer among evangelical Christians is always in danger of turning into a glorified gold rush. See, are you just rushing into God's presence? Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Building a healthy habit of prayer is understanding that prayer that we pray ought to have the motivation of wanting to see God's name hallowed. God, hallow your name in me. God, hallow your name through me. God, hallow your name by answering this request. Lord, we're praying for your name to be hallowed, your kingdom to come. And so let's, let's go to the gym for a moment together. Let's talk a little more practically about prayer. Let's, let's have a little quick workout session on this healthy habit, okay? Some of you are looking real excited about that uh, prospect, but just join me here. I won't be like Mickey with Rocky, all right? No one's chasing chicken this morning. All right? Took you back to the 70s. That's a good one. That's one of my favorite Rockies. But let's just talk real quickly and practically about some practical ways to pray in a healthy way. So if you've got a pen and a paper, now's a note taking time, or grab your phone out and, and write some things down. First, this kind of healthy habit prayer tips focus on making prayer more relational and less transactional. Okay, pray. focus on making prayer more relational and less transactional. All right, what I mean by that is this, and it is when we come to the Bible, a lot of times we come to the Bible just wanting knowledge. Lord, I, I want to know something new today. Boy, I hope Pastor Lee tells me something new I've never known about this passage. I hope in my life group I want to learn something new. Now, the, the desire of knowledge isn't bad. But the problem is we will sometimes shape and form our Christian lives all around transactions. God, I'm opening up your word, give me. Lord, I'm praying, give me. Lord, I'm doing something right, give me. Prayer in a healthy way is relating to God. God, I'm spending time with you today. Lord, I'm going to spend time in your word. So I want to learn to love the author of the book more than the book. I want to learn to to love the God who has invited me into his presence more than just the answers to my prayer. Second, develop the habit of having short prayer times and long prayer times. All right, so get in the habit of short prayer times and long prayer times. What I mean by that is simple, probably a lot of you are already doing this, is a short prayer time is something just pops in your mind. You're, You're driving, you're out doing something, and God puts a name in your mind, God puts a, you know, a name or a situation in your heart, and you just stop right there and you pray. You know, just, just pray for that person, pray for that situation. It's, a, it's just a short prayer. Develop those habits. When the Holy Spirit moves and kind of impresses something on your heart, stop what you're doing real quick and, and pray. But then develop long prayer times where you're setting aside time just to be with the Lord. You know, so maybe that's five minutes, ten minutes a day, or... Five, ten minutes of time, you're off your phone, TV's off, you know, just clear all the distractions out and just get alone with God. So develop a rhythm of short prayers times and long prayer times. Third, I encourage you to keep a list. All right, keep a list of people you're praying for, uh, maybe missionary situations you're praying about. Keep that list because it's often very, very encouraging to go back. And read the list of things you're praying about and seeing how God worked, how God answered those prayers. Keep a list. And fourth, let me just give you this one quickly. Just pray. For some of you, you need to cut the excuses of why you can't pray. You, some of you say, well, I, I don't know if I could pray. I'm praying wrong. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I tell people all the time in this when I train them in prayer. If you are praying to the God of the Bible you're off to a great start in prayer, right? If you're praying to the God of the Bible, you're not praying wrong. Now, if you're praying to another God, guess what? You're praying wrong, right? But if you're praying to the God of the Bible, you're doing it right. He's your Father. You talk to Him. You let Him know what's on your heart. And so what we're going to do right now, let me teach you just very quickly the Acts model of prayer. If you want to write this down, some of you probably know it. It's just a model that I, I pray through some of my long prayer times with. And then we're going to pray together uh, because we want to start building this healthy habit of prayer together. So the Acts model is real simple. starts with A. It's called adoration. In adoration, you want to spend time in prayer just adoring God, thanking Him for who He is, thinking about who He is. Spending time just saying, God, here's what you've done this week, and thank you. You know, I often like to think in my adoration time, Lord, you're the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, and look at all the things you've done. And I just recount biblical events. You want to spend time relating to him, adoring him. The the C is confession. And we want to confess our sin to God. The Bible tells us that when we agree with Him, what we have done is sin. That He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. So, like verse eight in the text, He already knows what you did. Go on and tell Him what you did. And so, we want to confess our sin. The T is thanksgiving. So we need to spend time thanking God, maybe for past answered prayers, and maybe thanking Him for right there, forgiving us of our sin thanking him for things he's done already in your day, in your week. And then the S is supplication. So we have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Supplication are the request, what you need to ask for on your heart, on your mind. But again, why are you asking for it? At the end of the day, we want to ask that his name is hallowed, his kingdom will come. So let's bow and let's pray together. I want to thank you for watching today's message. Right now, I want to encourage you to do something. You know, when we hear the Word of God, the Bible calls us to make a decision. And really, that comes from Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is saying, come and follow me. If you think about all the decisions that you've had to make in your life, some were small decisions, some were big decisions, some were not really important, and some were very important. But the decision of what you're going to do with Jesus Christ in your life is the most important decision that you're ever going to make. See, really, there's only two options. You can walk with Jesus or you could walk away from Jesus. And I want to encourage you right now to walk with Jesus. And the way that you have a relationship with Jesus is you place your faith in Him, place your trust in Him. And what you're doing by placing your faith and trust in Jesus is you're saying, Jesus, I I know I have sinned. I know I have sin in my life that separates me from God, and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust that you can bring me to God. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21 that Jesus knew no sin, but he was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what that means is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, God put all our sin on him. And that when you trust by faith in Jesus, He gets your sin and you get His righteousness. It's called the great exchange. You give Him your sin and He gives you His righteousness. That means you're forgiven. You're forgiven of all the sins that you've ever done and that you're forgiven of all the sins you ever will do. And the Bible says that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that God forgives you of your sin and He forgives you of of the power of sin in your life right now, that when you die, that God will take you to heaven to be with Him for all of eternity. And so if you're ready to do that, I want to encourage you to do that right now where you are. And you simply can pray along with me. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And you can say, Dear God, I know I have sinned. And today I'm ready to trust Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, God, for saving me. You know, friend, if you've prayed that with us today, I want to encourage you to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org connect, or simply open the camera app uh, on your phone and put it right over this QR code, and that's going to take you to that website. There you can let us know that you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior. What we'd love to do is celebrate that with you, pray for you, come alongside of you and help you take your next steps of faith. And so I want to thank you for watching today's message. I want to encourage you, if you're able to make it out, we'd love to see you in person here at Heights on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Or you can catch us online at 9 and 10.30 a.m. live on Sunday mornings on our Heights Facebook page or Heights YouTube page. So again, until next time, God bless and have a great week.